Ah, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here. The air conditioning is working. Ah, it's good. We're going to talk about heaven this morning, and I think we can all agree any place with air conditioning this time of year gives us just a little glimpse of what eternity might be like, the pure joy. How many people have found that uh, they have a surprise level of hatred in their heart towards everybody else because of the heat? How many? Or just a few, right? I've told some of you, I, I last about a month in the heat, and uh, I'm all cocky. I've been here 20 years, and after a month or so of the heat, the bitterness is truly stunning uh, towards everything. Roadrunners, I don't care. I, uh, I hate it all, but it hasn't kicked in yet, so uh, until it does, we'll talk about heaven in a joyful manner. So let's start with praying, and then we'll uh, do the talk, then we'll have the song, and then it's Bosa Donuts out to the left in a few minutes. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, thank you for being in this place. We made the effort to be here because our life is busy, and if it's not productive, then we can just find things to do. It can be a level of distraction that keeps us from meaning. And Lord, what we want with this valuable life you have given us is meaning. We want to matter. We want to figure out why you created us in the first place. Give us the courage to trust you are there. Give us the courage to trust you are still at work. And Lord, would you give us the courage to trust that you know us by name. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you're new here, you don't believe me, but just watch. People getting up and wandering off. Most of them come back, but um, it's like a, sort of like a prison, right? If you walk outside, you could... So nobody's going outside, but what they're doing is getting a refill of coffee and the snacks that are in the back. And if you're new to Tucson, that might strike you as strange, but if you've lived in Tucson long enough, the fact that somebody in the middle of a talk would go get some snacks, say hello to somebody and sit back down, well, that just... Welcome to Tucson. So this morning, as we talk about heaven, usually we try to talk, the Bible has uh, whatever brand we're talking about, the Bible has wisdom and stories and, and declarations. So whatever part we're talking about, that's how we talk about it. So usually it's a story. But today we're going to do documentary style as we talk about heaven, which I'm pretty, pretty excited about. So we're going from the first pages of the Bible to the end of the Bible, and some of you just had fear. You've picked up the Bible and started to read it, and like, whew, there's a lot. How, how long are those donuts going to take? So we're going to do this documentary style. We'll set the tone. We'll let the experts talk, and then we will uh, have learned something together ready for donuts. So first to set the tone, have you ever seen the study? It came out years ago, and a bunch of scientists asked people from different cultures to draw beauty and almost all of us, if you ask us to draw beauty, will draw a landscape. It'll be green meadow in Tucson. I think we can all relate to that. And it will have flowers. It will have blue sky. It'll be daylight. It'll either be mountains in the distance or some water. And that's what we draw. If you ask us to draw beauty, that's what we will draw. Turns out we're garden people. The Bible says, because we started in the Garden of Eden, we have a natural longing to return. Walk into somebody's city apartment, and they've got a couple of pots with plants by the window, usually dead. But 
It's because we're not good at being garden people. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a minister, been a minister almost 30 years. Had three kids, a lovely wife, the whole bit, got a big dog. But really, deep down, I'm a citrus farmer. <laughs> we have an orange tree, an orange tree, and a, and a grapefruit tree in the backyard. And uh, miraculously, I don't know, they just produce fruit. And then we pick it and eat it, and it's great. So I, uh, if you have any agricultural questions, I think I can help you. Uh, I didn't plant the trees. We don't really fertilize the trees. It's on a watering system. But I know how to eat the fruit. And I don't know where you grew up, but I think it's pretty crazy. You can just walk in your backyard, pick something, and eat it. That's not where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, citrus farmer. And uh, I can talk to you about heaven as garden people. You can get Bible people all worked up on a lot of subjects, but one of them is heaven. Are we still garden people? Or... Is heaven a return to the Garden of Eden? Or have we moved on to be city people? We've moved on from the garden, and now we long for a city with fortified walls so that we're safe, a gate. You can get Bible people all worked up. Do we return to the garden, or have we moved on to the city? And the answer, the new heavenly city, streets paved with gold, and the answer is yes. Both and a new creation. So God did this and pronounced it good. And we look around and think, hmm. I think I have higher standards than God does. But God pronounced what he created good, and then he let us have free reign in it. Have you ever had a three-year-old in your house? That's what God did. Made it really nice. I grew up, uh, my mom, I'm the youngest of six, so we had this Charlie Brown stick tree that uh, my wife mocked that you stuck the branches in. You get the box out of the garage, you stick the branches in. Well, it's from the attic, but it doesn't matter. And then she would let us decorate the tree, and it looked terrible. But you know what? It was joyful. My wife doesn't let our kids near the tree, and it's perfect could be in a magazine. At one point, I'll walk. I don't get to participate. My job is to get the tree out of the garage and then get out of there. My wife threw, my, my mom at one point sent me my old kid Christmas tree decorations. My wife threw them away and bought me new ones because <laughs> those weren't worthy. That's not how we celebrate Christmas. So we have this perfect tree. Come by. The tree is so good, we put it up somewhere on Thanksgiving. We, live, we, we took it down like yesterday, right? We just leave that thing up. It's just it's so beautiful. And uh, the kids, after mommy's done the work, then the 8-year-old and the 10-year-old get to go up on the ladder and very carefully hang something where mommy approves. The number of times they've hung something and mommy made them move it makes me laugh. Look, she's hot, kids. Sorry. That's why I married her. I don't... Didn't even know she had a personality a couple of years into it, but marry for your own reasons. But the way we do Christmas in our house is, is very, very, very different, but it's, uh, it's the way God created it, and then he unleashed the three-year-olds, and sometimes it feels like God has stepped back and just let the three-year-olds go like my mom did with the Christmas tree. Are we garden people or are we city people? Well, we're both. God created this. He said it's good. And now there's a new thing that God's working on. Heaven will be a new creation, a new thing. It's both ends. And we see this all the time. I was talking to a wise woman once years and years ago. And she said, Ted, I need to give you some insight because I was an idiot. And she said, 
So this uh, woman in our, in our old church, her son was going off to be a Marine, and she wasn't happy. She was panicked. And I was trying to help her work through it. It's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Be thankful. The kid's grown up, and he's on his own, and he's doing good things, and mom wasn't having any of this. And this dear old lady saw me struggling through being an idiot, and she pulled me aside said, Ted, let me explain something to you. No mom has ever birthed a Marine. A mom has a baby. And then, much against her will, they grow up to be a Marine, and you've got to blame dad for that. So as you're talking to this mom about her son going off to be a Marine, Mother's Day came from, let's put an end to all wars. No mom wants her son to be a Marine. This is a, this is a plan that's gone awry. And you're talking to her with logic. So stop that. Because no mom ever had a Marine. She had a baby. She wanted to have a baby. And then the thing grew up and became a Marine. And, and uh, you've got to be more helpful to her than just sheer logic. We know this is the way the world works. An acorn is really great, but it's nothing like the big oak tree it becomes. This is how life works. We know this. Paul points out that we are the same. Go to a funeral. This is what we read from Paul. We've been talking about Paul for the last several months in the book of Acts. He didn't get the Jesus thing that he met Jesus face to face. And Jesus said, well, you're persecuting me. And Paul said, well, I didn't know you were real. I'll stop. And then the Holy Spirit said to Paul, you're now going to tell the world about Jesus, but it's going to be really difficult. So Paul wrote when he was in modern-day Greece in the city of Corinth. He wrote to his friends that he made there, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead people. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die but they will be raised to life forever. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Acorn, tree, baby, marine. It changes. They will be raised as spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. God created Adam. Now, just a quick pause right here. We think the Bible can be difficult on hard on women, and it's not true. So God started with the stuff, right? You've got to create the planets and the skies and all the rest, and there was plants, and then there was animals, and there was Adam, and it's getting more pinnacle, right? What was the last thing God created? One person is participating, right? All right. You forget about the donuts. I promise they're going to be there, right? It's the plants, the animals, Adam, and then who? So what's, who's the pinnacle? What's the pinnacle of creation? Eve. So, no, the Bible doesn't say women are second-class citizens. Not true at all. We're supposed to do this together. But the pinnacle of creation, it doesn't get any better, is the woman. So Adam was created first of the people. But he wasn't good enough on his own. We have to figure this out together. The first man, Adam, became a living person. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. Even the material God was working from. Adam is second, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. We'll skip that whole uh, discussion Paul had about the first man, the second man, but the idea was, is, just like an acorn, we now are like Adam. But Jesus, through resurrection, shows us what's yet to come. Does that mean we're in a hurry? No. It means live this day, this life, as in you can't fail. How would you live if you knew you couldn't fail? Are you going to have some crashes? Yeah. 
Jackson told us last week about his crash, and now he has to wear a neck brace for a while. Yesterday, Brett, one of our firefighters, did the hold my beer, watch this thing. He's in Banner Hospital today because he crashed his dirt bike, severed his aorta, broke like 10 ribs. Holy cow. He's alive and, right, said he's happy, right? Where's, right? Dylan said Uncle, Uncle Brett is happy. You know, it's not a competition, people. Can we calm down, right? It's summertime. Just sit there. There's nothing good's going to happen if you go outside. But we're not in a hurry. But how would you live this day if you recognized deep in our soul, me included, how would I behave if I actually believed through my actions that the God of the, of the universe created me on purpose and that I can't fail because heaven is my ultimate destination? How would I live? I'd probably be more fun to be around. Adam was the first human Jesus gives us an idea of what comes next. Earthly people are like earthly man, Adam, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. We wonder what, sometimes, what are we going to do in heaven? Are we gonna just, I don't even know how to play a harp. What are we going to do? doesn't make any, any sense to me. But those glimpses, when you're doing something and time just goes away, not during a sermon, right? But, you know, when you're doing something and you look up and time just flew, you're with somebody or you're doing something, that's a glimpse of heaven. Time goes away. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Just as we are now, Paul's writing, like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. We Jesus people call that good news. Following Jesus at its most basic is to believe in resurrection. Following Jesus at its most basic is to believe resurrection. This life, this body, not all there is. Do we, that's what the Bible says. Here's what I find fascinating. Just watching culture. I grew up in New York, not a Christian place. I was it. You can judge how well I did at spreading Jesus in New York. I moved here. That's how well I did. The Bible says resurrection, this isn't all there is. I'm fascinated in modern-day culture because that's the Bible. Do we still believe in the Bible? Are we too sophisticated for that? I'm stunned how often in popular culture I get this idea of resurrection. Someone famous dies, and then someone in their family or friend will say, I know you're in a better place. See you on the other side. See it all the time. Some celebrity that I didn't even know existed dies, and somebody will say, I know you're in a better place. I'll see you on the other side. Where does that come from? Darth Vader was back without the mask. Much better attitude, talking to Luke, right? We see this all the time in popular culture. In the new Spider-Man movie called, Jackson, Louder Man, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Pretty excited. I've actually seen a movie recently, and I now have an illustration. If you don't know me, then you don't know what a shock that is, but uh, I'm not great at watching TV or movies. But in the new movie, Peter Parker is alive. Again. Seems to have a much better perspective. Now, the previous movie, Peter Parker died. What's the previous movie, Jack? Into the Spider-Verse. I hope you can appreciate the subtle differences. <laughs> so in the first movie of this trilogy, quadruply, I don't know what it'll be. I'm not in charge. In the first one, Peter Parker dies. Jack, I assume at the end... Did it die? When did, when did Peter Parker die? At the end of the movie? 
At the very beginning, oh, what a downer. So, the movie that I saw the other day, the, the second one, there's the uh, police captain, Peter Parker was killed, and Captain George Stacy of the New York City Police Department spends the, the new movie focused on finding Peter Parker's killer. Now, there's a family connection. I won't ruin the movie for you. But we know, we know, we know that Peter Parker had resurrection because he's in the movie. He's not all battered and bruised and except for lying to his wife and putting his baby daughter at terrific risk for an adventure. Peter Parker is doing great with great priorities. The concept of heaven is all around us. The Bible says... There's a reason. Ecclesiastes 3.11, this is the Solomon, King David's son, supposed to be the wisest man in the world, said a lot of wise things, did a lot of dumb things. Can you relate? Here's here's Ecclesiastes 3.11. Just trust me. God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted the idea, the concept of eternity in the human heart. The wisest person in the Old Testament, Solomon, wrote that. And this is unique to the Adam and Eve types. We wonder, will our dog be in heaven? Our dog is not wondering that. Our dog is wondering if that jerk little dog down the streets peed on that pole by the park again. That's what the dog is wondering. And when are we eating again? We wonder if the dog will be there. Because eternity has been placed in the human heart by the creator of the universe. Let's go back to the garden thing. Genesis 3. Then God planted a what? Garden. Garden people. God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. He put the man, capital M, humanity, right, Adam, he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. And now this that gets us. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden. The tree of eternal life. Eat from that fruit and you'll live forever in your current state. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we think, why do you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Everybody's happy. Everybody's naked. Just go on for eternity like this. Eat the fruit and close the book. And that's not what we're here for. We are here because Satan said to God, I want your job. That job's not available. And Satan said, you see it in the book of Job, you see it in other places. Satan said, my way is better. And God said, no, it's not. Let's create some people and they'll be the judge. They'll pick between us. Roughly. At a huge concept level. We're here living our lives out in the battlefield of good and evil. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that we can know things. As you grow, you know things. You learn things. The sweetness of a little kid, you got to spend time with little kids because they'll just break your heart with sweetness. And then they become teenagers. And as somebody wise told me years ago, God gives parents the teen years so it's easier to say goodbye. <laughs> now, none of us have that. Look at these adorable people. Oh, they're incredible. They're great. We have zero complaints. But other teenagers... The tree of life was in the middle of the garden. The tree of eternal life in the middle of the garden. Also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we say, why did you put that option there? And the answer is, because we're not fully human if we don't have the option to choose against. You're sitting next to the person 
that you love. If that was an assigned position, that would be difficult. You made this choice. You want that person. Is it always easy? No. Is it worth it? Yes. Here's the hardest, the most difficult part about being in love with another person, about loving another person, whether it's your child, your parent, your friend, your spouse, your whom, whomever, is that you get confronted with your frailties. Kids are really great until you're tired. I just have to tell my kids, look, it's 9 o'clock. I don't love you anymore. I'll pick it up in the morning. And, and uh, if you come in at night, it's probably better if you go to mommy's side of the bed. Although she'll just pretend to be asleep, but the 10-year-old's got her figured out. The 10-year-old just push on her, and mommy will roll over, and then she can slide into bed, and no words have to be spoken. Smart kid, middle child, always thinking things through. We get confronted when we love somebody, when we're in a good relation, when we're in a close relationship with someone. That's when we're confronted with the fact that we're not as perfect as we would like to be. We get some knowledge of the good and evil. A river flows out of the Garden of Eden to water the garden. Just remember that picture. Garden, tree of eternal life. There's two trees, one good one and one necessary one for this to work. You want to go through life as a moron. You want your kids to grow up and learn things. We love the sweet little kid years, but we also want them to progress. Even though it has some challenges. So there's the two trees, there's eternal life, there's the garden, the river. And sometimes we can forget because we focus on that. God cursed them with work and childbirth. And what we miss is God and Adam and Eve were partners in what God was doing. We continue to be partners in the center of the garden, the tree of life. And because they couldn't follow the one rule, don't eat from that tree. Give us a rule. And that's what we will focus on as well. For the next five seconds, don't think of elephants. Right? If I said snakes, some of you are thinking, well, I already was because we live here. But you weren't thinking of elephants until somebody brings it up. So God says, ah, stay away from that tree. Don't have sugar. Like that's an option. Because they couldn't follow the one rule. Because they chose the forbidden fruit option, they never got the tree of life. Because you don't want to seal in life at the worst. Jesus had to be nailed to a different tree to offer us the eternal life the tree of life had to give us. But once the tree of knowledge of good and evil kicks in and we want to do things our own way, you don't want to live that way for eternity. That gets miserable. So now we're going to skip ahead. 65 books in the Bible. Good stuff in there, but for today we'll skip it. We get to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and we find the tree of life where the river is back. Are we garden people or are we city people? The answer is yes. Resurrection is all about living, but better, better than the Garden of Eden could handle on its own. The very last chapter of the book of the Bible begins this way. Then the angel showed me, John. John was a fisher person with his brother, met Jesus, became a follower of Jesus, was there when Jesus died. Jesus said, John, take care of, of my mom. And John said, okay. John was a leader in the early church. Now he's an old man. He kept telling everybody about Jesus, and he made it through to be an old guy, like 95 years old. And the Roman Empire were tired of John. 
But you can't kill an old man and feel good about yourself. So they put him on the island of Patmos, and he had a vision one Sunday morning, and it's the book of Revelation. Then the angel showed me, John, a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Lamb of God, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you've got the throne of God, the Lamb of God. It flowed down the center of the main street. Sounds like flooding, but no, this is meant to be a good thing. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. There's two trees, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. At the end, the fruit option's gone. Oh, there's two trees. There's a river, but they're both the tree of life. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. God wins. We get to be a part of that. An old Bible teacher of mine said the key to not getting lost in this life is to realize that we are living between the trees. The first tree, the second trees, we're not there yet. And he said if the Bible were a movie, it would open and close with the same scene. It'd be the opening scene. The credits would roll with a beautiful tree and a perfect garden. Then there'd be the movie of your life. And the closing scene would be the same tree perfectly lit in a beautiful city with streets of gold and on the other side of a river, one just like it. Genesis is the beginning of things as we know them and Revelation is the end of things as we know them. But the end of Revelation isn't the end. The hot chick in our house used to be in scrapbooking. Remember that if you're a certain age? Some of you, you were born after the after this trend. But she was hanging out with some friends. They were scrapbooking. You put pictures into a, a book. You decorate it all pretty. It was our honeymoon. She got to the end and my, my wife wrote, the end. <laughs> well, that didn't last long. I thought I was pretty good on the honeymoon. I was great in Rome. It's not the end. You turn the page. It's a new beginning. The end of Revelation is really the return to the beginning and this time without the option of fruit. And Jesus was here on earth, born into a family, and had, an old, had a brother, James, who was cranky. Didn't even believe Jesus was the Son of God. Didn't believe the Messiah. Nothing. If you have siblings, you can appreciate this, but Jesus had to die and then not stay dead to impress his brother, James. That's about the way it goes, Right? That's about the level of most siblings. James, cranky James, after he figured out who Jesus was, led the church, the early church, and he wrote this. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Other translations say your life is a vapor. And we think, well, that's not as encouraging as I was after. The idea is that it's a season. So everything great that's going on, enjoy it. Don't take it for granted because it's not forever. The four-year-old turns 12 and then the 12-year-old turns 22 and all of a sudden somebody's a Marine. You got to enjoy this phase. Is it always easy? No. Got to enjoy this phase. And when you're going through a dark time, let me just say, if you ever go through anything difficult, I mean, if that should ever happen in your life, not likely. Once you're a Christian, Nothing but lollipops and rainbows, but 
let's just say, theoretically, something could be difficult in your life, like it's happened to you in the last 40 minutes. The thing is, God hasn't died because something difficult happened, and Jesus hasn't abandoned us, and the Holy Spirit is not of our life, and it's not necessarily even something that we did. When something terrible is happening, remember, it's a season. It's not going to be forever. The eternity is on both sides of this time between the trees. In eternity past, it was just God. God with the angels. And now, eternity future is God with the angels and all of us willing to be partners with God. Doing meaningful labor. You know your job matters? You know how you'll get meaning from your task, whether you get paid for it or not? Is you connect what you're physically doing with helping another fellow human being. And if you can't do that, you're not going to enjoy what you're doing. We get stuck in what we think is meaningless work when we don't realize how this helps anybody. How's this connected to helping anybody? But if you connect what you're doing to helping people, the fact that you get paid is a nice side benefit. During this vapor that is our life, we see things that happen, and something inside of us causes us to say, this is not how it should be. And we're right. We see addiction and illness and cancer and war and famine and abuse and death and divorce and falling off waterfalls and crashing dirt bikes, and we say, this is not how it should be. And we're right. We're 100% right. Because God has placed eternity in our hearts. Deep down, fundamentally, we know from the God of the universe how things should be, and we know when it's not right. Life between the trees is not how it was. It's not how it will be. This is just a vapor. God's making a point with Satan. My way is better. And to help us keep track of this vapor, we have the concept of time based on the Cycles of the sun that God created. It's morning, it's night, it's a week, it's a month, it's a year. Revelation just said there will be no night there, no need for the sun, because the Lord God will shine on them. So notice when the Bible paints the picture of heaven, there's no talk of time. Paul saw a glimpse of heaven. Jesus talked about heaven. Paul didn't barely wanted to admit that he saw heaven. John is really focusing on heaven. Daniel had glimpses of heaven, but it's not time. John did not say, so I turned to the angel and said, by the way, what time is it? This church service has gone long. John does not anywhere in Revelation write, we were having a great time, but we ran out of time because everyone had to get up early the next morning. Time is just for life between the trees. Last night we were here for the youth game night. It was having a great time. The 10-year-old didn't want to leave because she was beating John in cards. Madre and I had driven separately just so I could take home the 8- and 10-year-old. Madre is competitive. She wanted to stay and crush people's souls. And the 14-year-old as well. But I was going to take the two youngers home so we could get bathed and ready for church in the morning. And the 10-year-old wouldn't leave. We didn't have to drive separately. We all left at the same time. And so we had told her, here's the thing. Night girl hates morning girl. No, morning girl hates night girl because night girl's all up having fun. And then morning happens, and morning girl doesn't like night girl. And Kate said, no, no, I'll be fine. And then this morning, as I went to wake her up, she said, I don't like night girl. <laughs> it's true. Time is just for life between the trees. My picture of heaven. Here's my picture of heaven. 
We all have our picture of heaven. If you're having a fight in your house, the basic fundamental problem is you have different pictures in your mind of what should be happening next. We have a young couple right here that uh, they're just progressing down that lane. I'm not going to talk to him yet, but when the time comes, I'm going to say to her, watch his mother because that's what he thinks you're going to do in the house. The way she takes care of everybody, the way she's thoughtful, she's organized, that's what he's going to expect out of you, and he's never once going to say it, but when you don't do it right, he's going to be cranky because we all have images in our mind of how it should be. Our first Christmas at our house was such a disaster. Our friend Matt walks in, and, uh, and it was so terrible that Matt left because my wife was doing Christmas wrong. First of all, you have an artificial tree with seven branches in it. She had brought home this real tree that we were poor, so it had grown on a hill. She got it, look, I got it for $7. Yeah, it's, it's bent like I'm going to be when I'm 80. We kept sawing it off, trying to make it straight, and now, we've, now it's this tall. And my father-in-law had just died Christmas morning very recently, a few years before, and so Christmas had to be perfect, because if it was perfect, then maybe Dad wasn't dead anymore. Is that true? No, but this is the image we have. And I needed perfect, I need Christmas to be like I had always been for me in New York, because I wasn't in any New York anymore. I was in Kansas. That's as weird as Christmas gets for me. And we weren't getting Christmas right. And neither one of us knew to tell the other one how it was supposed to be and why. But we had the image of how Christmas is supposed to be in our head and we weren't meeting it. If you're having conflict with somebody, a good chance is you each have different images of, what you're, of what this, what's supposed to be happening and the other person's doing it wrong, obviously. Because people are terrible. Can I get an amen? You have different images in your head, pictures of what it should be. So when we picture heaven, I grew up in a big place. I had 4,000 people in my 8th grade class. So they tell me. I didn't count them. I picture being in heaven like in a concert. And Jesus is up there, and I get to be in the crowd, and I couldn't be happier. My wife grew up in a normal place, and she pictures having a mansion, and she and Jesus will be on the front porch when rocking chairs, drinking iced tea. It's a different picture of heaven. Here's how I picture heaven. I'm going to walk into heaven, and I'm going to give my dad a hug, and I will turn around, and Jackson will be walking in. That's how I picture heaven. How many years will Jackson have to wait? I mean, look at me. Probably, he's 14. Look at me. I'm aging terribly. Probably a long time. The concept of time is only for here on earth. So the question, the challenge will be, will Jackson get lost in those years? Because I'm going to walk in, hug my dad, give Jesus a high five, say, thanks, it's a nice place you got here. It's not like I expected. And I'll turn around and there'll be Jackson. But we can get lost here on earth if we forget that we're spending time here between the trees. Those times when we get lost in what we're doing and we lose track of time is just a glimpse of heaven. That's eternity. Time is gone. In one of our big challenges, you know this, we miss heaven here on earth because we're barely here on earth. Oh, we're here, but we're not here. We're thinking of there, the next thing we need to do, what I should have said, how that could have been different. We're always in the past. We're in the, we're in the future. It's rarely in the present. Why 
Did we have Bosa Donuts today? For just a moment, can we just have some sugar and pay attention to the person in front of us? To just be here in the moment? That's what we're trying to do. Why does Ken have to break his back carrying coffee? Ken's like, holy cow, these people are going through some coffee. Ken doesn't even work here. He's just a volunteer. Right? They're making it in the kitchen. He's bringing it out. Those people are back there sweating. Why do we have the coffee? Same reason. Can for just a moment we forget about that and forget about that and just live right here? Because we get thinking about over there and moving faster and faster and getting more done and it's not long before we lose a sense of God because God stands outside of time. Now, if you faded, bless you, I understand, but dial back in for this. We talk about heaven and eternal life as something that will happen in the future. And Jesus talked about eternity as something that's happening right now. Eternal life starts now. On, uh, like a movie, on that day when it looked like evil won and Jesus was killed, and the afternoon turned dark as night, What John and the gang missed is the same thing that we miss now. It's just a vapor. When Jesus came back Easter morning, they should have been all sitting around in lawn chairs, singing kumbayas, having mimosas, like, well, three days, here you go. And instead, Jesus showed up, and people were like, what are you doing here? Remember, rejected, beaten, suffered, die back in three days, don't get lost? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Now that you mention it. When Jesus returned to heaven and left his partners behind to continue the work, the angel told the followers, Jesus will come again. God is always in the business of creating new people all the time and tapping them on the shoulder and saying, I have some work to do. If you're willing to be my partner, let's do this together. Jesus talked about eternity starting right now. So nearly 2,000 years ago, old man John saw heaven. And then John said to the rest of us, our earthly experiences are, looking, are like looking at paintings of an outdoor scene. It's like looking at the scene. The day is coming when we will walk along the river between the trees. And then he wrote this, Blessed are those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, that's a lot. But if we miss it all, would you please break through and speak in a language we can hear that you are in this place. And remarkably, every place we go is sacred ground. May we take you with us intentionally throughout this day, this week, this year, this life. May there be a millisecond more than is usual that we recognize this week that you are with us. You created us. This is not all there is. We're just here right now. May we live it the way you created us to live it, trusting you. And if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the relationship with you, A is to admit we're building our own kingdom. We're not sure how it's going to end, but we're a little nervous it's going to crash and burn. B is to believe that you make us worthy of your kingdom. We can find our place in your kingdom. We can reign forever with you because you win. And C is for us right here in this place to choose to follow you each and every day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.
And everybody said, Amen.